Hello, all you beautiful gamers and game makers. You are listening to, watching, consuming. No, that's not right. You're enjoying Audio XP, my game audio video podcast. I don't know why that's so hard to describe to people, but yes, it's a video podcast about game audio. I'm your host, Cole Harmon. There are millions of things you could be watching right now, but you chose this. So for that, I thank you. I have an incredible guest lined up for you today. It's Nathan Madsen. He's the lead audio director over at Unbroken Studios, but he also does a ton of freelance work. He's worked on everything, literally from Dragon Ball to Lego. She's worked on slot games and indie games, AAA games, you name it. He's done it, so really excited to uh, show you the fun chat that I had with him. But before we dive into that, I wanted to make you aware of something really cool. Recently, I stumbled across this really cool library from a friend, Zach Egan, and uh, he made a free sound library of just like wild sci-fi sweeteners and power-up sounds, so you definitely got to check it out. But instead of hearing about it from me, I'm going to turn it over to him for a sec so you can hear about this super cool library. Hey everyone, Zach here, and I'm very excited to share that my brand new sound effects pack, Fractured, is available right now. I created this library by recording some source materials such as paper grocery bags and swirling glasses, did a bunch of processing, and came up with some pretty interesting sci-fi textures. I think this library would work really well for creating stylistic magic spells or anything futuristic that just needs extra energy. And the best part is that this library is absolutely free. So head on over to my website right now and grab that download today. Thank you so much for checking this out. I hope that this library helps you. If you enjoy the sounds or find them useful, let me know. I would love to hear from you. Later. Yeah, I know. Sounds super legit and it's free. So just check out the links in the description. I'll put it uh, down below. Oh, my hands are all ghosty. Sorry, ADD brain there. Anyway, lastly, before I jump in with uh, Nate here, I just wanted to point out one quick thing. Some people were confused by my first episode. I was talking to Jasmine, the sound designer, but featuring music from Sock Puppet. Um, so when I interview a sound designer on this show, uh, I will definitely throw in lots of clips of their work and stuff like that. But as far as like the music of the podcast, I'm going to try to find a new composer each week to feature their music because I really want to just promote people. I love sharing the love. I love giving people a shout out. But today is going to be a little different because Nate is both a sound designer and a composer. So everything you're going to hear from him today is from him. So with that in mind, uh, let's jump into my fun conversation with Nate Madsen over at Unbroken Studios. What? You don't like the week? I Look, I don't know. I just started this podcast and try to figure out my host mannerisms. Do you go by Nate or Nathan? <laughs> I go by both, but oh, okay. lately it's been a lot more Nate. So like a quick story yeah. about that. We can start with this too, sure, sure. if you want, yeah. is um, my family, my wife, like close friends call me Nate. Like 
when you first meet me, it's Nathan. You become friends, it's Nate. So back when I started at SciPlay in 2016, I was doing the onboarding paperwork. And I just decided, you know what? Instead of putting Nathan, I'm just going to put Nate on my employee information sheet. And so everyone started calling me Nate from day one because that's what they saw in the paperwork. And instantly, people just felt like my close friend from day one. It was kind of a cool thing. I just did it on the spur of the moment. There was no pre-thought or, or plan. So I go by both. I'm really fine with, with either. But uh, yeah, you can call me Nate. You can call me Nathan. doesn't matter. Perfect. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to be like uh, Mr. Madsen, Professor Madsen. <laughs> no. Good Nate, God, no. <laughs> Nate Dog, you know, whatever you, whatever you prefer. People do call I'm me sure Nate they do. Dog. People... <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot. <laughs> I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, you're actually the very first person I thought of when I started the show. I was like, I really want to have you on um, for awesome. a lot of reasons. But I'll tell you kind of how I came to know about you is uh, okay. after 2020, things were a little crazy and same with me. And I was just kind of at this weird crossroads in my life where I had spent my whole life doing one thing. And I, I kept thinking like, I think I want to get into game development. I don't know. It's a huge turn of the ship and I have a family and all this stuff, but I don't know about you, but I, I believe in science and I was working at a video game store at the time and okay. I kept getting only me. This only happened to me at the store. And we had like 40 stores in this company. Um, I kept getting this little game on DS called Ninja Town. And, oh, uh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And like every time I'd open a box, you know, we'd all get a box to like clean games, fresh shipments or whatever. And I would keep getting this Ninja Town game. And so that that wasn't really that big of a deal until I started looking into like, OK, well, what does a game composer actually do? I don't really know. I'm going to just research this. And then um, I came across an interview with you where you were telling somebody about how you worked on Ninja Town. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow, ding. And so I, I just started looking at your website, looking at your videos. And quickly, you became somebody that I really look up to and admire. Um, well, thank you. Because really, you have a very unique and interesting career that I want to ask you a lot about. But uh, you've, you've worked full time in the industry. You've done a ton of freelance projects uh you have a family you know you obviously seem like a very healthy and normal person with an actual life and yet you do all this stuff so i'm just like really <clears throat> thankful for you because i i i honestly i i think okay if this guy can do it then i can uh -huh. figure out you know how to get there too so thank absolutely. you absolutely yeah oh man well that means a lot cole thank you uh Absolutely. By the way, just a caveat for you and your listeners. I might be clearing my throat quite a bit here. Apologies for that. Um, fall in Texas just gets me hard with allergies. So I'll try to keep it to a minimum if I do, but that's why. Okay. But no, that's so that's so gratifying to hear because I think having heroes, and not, I'm not trying to be presumptuous and say I'm a hero of yours. I'm just saying having someone that you admire or having a milestone you're looking at is such a good thing because it gives you a landmark to or a target to aim for. And I have that in my own life, and um, I've had that many times, several different people. So it means a lot. It's very honor, you know, it honors me a great deal to hear that, to hear you say that. Um, and Ninja Town, so I didn't work on Ninja Town itself. I worked on Ninja Town Trees of Dune, the iPhone game. Right. It was a follow up to that. 
But Ninja Town itself, the DS game, first off, for anyone who hasn't played it that's listening, go grab it if you have a DS. It's such a fun top-down RTS game. It's really cute. And you may have heard this in the interview I, I told the other person that you referenced earlier, but um, I got that from a really good friend of mine I'm still friends with. In fact, our sons and and we all swam together just this past week, this past weekend. They gave it to me as a joke one year for, I think, for Christmas. And they even had like the receipt like taped on the inside. And they were like, you can totally take it back to GameStop and get something that you really want to play. But something about it, I was like, I, I laughed. I thought it was funny, but I was like, I'll, I'll try it. And I liked it so much that they all bought copies. They saw me playing it all the time on my DS that they grabbed copies and they fell in love with the game. And then long story made sort of short is I reached out to the the company, Venon Entertainment, which has sadly closed down now. Mm-hmm. But I reached out to them and the CEO and said, I loved what you did with Ninja Town. I'm a huge fan. I'm a composer, sound designer, and if you ever have a need, I'd love to work with y'all. And he wrote me back, and he was like, hey, you know, I get a lot of these kind of emails, a lot of kind of inquiries like this, but something about yours made me stop and go listen to your stuff. Mm. And yeah, let's work together. And that led That's to me so cool. working on Ninja Town, which was such a fun thing to do. Yeah, actually, in preparation for this interview, I tried to see if I could snag a copy anywhere, but unfortunately, it's, mm. it's vaporware at this point because uh, yeah, the, it, it's not on iOS anymore and all that. Do you have like an old iPhone with it anywhere or something like that? I have, yeah, I think I have it on um, an old iPad. Oh. And what's funny too is, and I don't, I don't know a lot about this, but. It seems like as the chips in the iOS hardware gets faster and faster, older apps, if they don't know to accommodate for that, they just run at a faster frame rate because <laughs> everything's so much faster. Because I've had a couple of older games I've, I've worked on that, like, same thing. Didn't get updated. I happen to have a, an old hardware that's running on newer software, and every, everything's just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just going yeah. super fast. And uh, that was happening with with i with uh, ninja town a little bit but um no i i have it on a device or two because i've actually played it a few times here and there so yeah nice but, that's that's really cool it's kind of a interesting uh point of connection that that game also yeah. spoke to you um i forgot to tell you the the kind of the weird part is like after my wife and i moved out to washington state um in in part, large part for me to pursue game development. Um, yeah, I went to a uh, comic book shop in a small town, and I was just looking <clears throat> to see what games they had. They only had one DS game. It was Ninja Town. <laughs> I thought, what the? Oh my heck? gosh, it's just following know, you around. But That's I've amazing. never seen that game anywhere else in my life. It was just like this weird wow. game where it was following me around. So. Uh, yeah, so I think it'd be really fun. Uh, I asked you to prepare a sound, and I've also prepared a sound. And I think we should spend a quick minute just kind of listening and trying to see if you can 
you know, guess how I made it and vice versa. Okay, let me download this. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to listen to it. Okay, it's like a low guttural growl sound that fades in. Okay, to me, and I was so nervous about this, to be honest. I was like, I'm probably going to suck at this. But my ears, what I'm thinking is it sounds like either like a desk drawer or a drawer itself or like a closet that is, it sounds wooden and it sounds pitched down and slowed down and then some reverb added to it. So that's kind of what I'm hearing. You are very, very close, actually. That's great. Hmm. You have a great ear, obviously. Um, well, yeah, thank you. So basically, this was for the sound design uh, <clears throat> showdown that I'm a part of. And um, I we were doing Mariana's Trench. So I was like, well, I want to do a big monster. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I my I have wood floors and I have wood chairs. Okay. And if you, if you just ever so slightly... Uh, rub it on the floor. It makes this horrible <laughs> groaning sound. So yeah, I awesome. did. I did a lot. I made a little library of emotive chair groans and chopped oh, cool. it. Um, but the other layer, that like throaty kind of bubbly layer, because it's underwater. Um, okay, it's actually a can of soup that I took a few different clips and made a very rhythmic track, and then did some um, peak following, like the peak following. Uh, you know, modulation there. And then, um, I just used like a preset on ROM that I found called foreign voice. Okay. that gives it a really growly kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I just did a bunch of layers of that and I thought it turned out pretty all right. So yeah, that's awesome. That's great. All right. I'll listen Very to yours cool. now. So I teach an interactive game audio course at the university of Tennessee, Knoxville. I do this remotely every Monday night for three hours. And last fall was my first semester doing that. I'm doing it again this this fall. And so one of the projects I did with my students last year was a sound we create. There's the Marshall McGee YouTube series where he goes through and he points out like an iconic sound. For example, he did the recall, the axe recall from God of War uh, 4. And so he plays the sound and he de deconstructs it and shows how to recreate that sound. But what I love about it was he only uses his, his cell phone as a mic. And so one thing I do with my students last fall, and I'm going to do with this current class uh, in the coming weeks is they're going to use only their cell phone as their microphone. And then just anything around their house, anything around their, you know, where they live, whatever vehicles, whatever they want to use, pick an iconic sound and then recreate it using your phone as the mic. And then you can bring it into whatever doll you want to use and produce it to your heart's content. So this is why I did. I grabbed, I can go ahead and tell everyone, there's a poison dart gun from Bioshock Infinite. I really liked the way it sounded. I liked using the gun a lot in that game. So the first clip you're going to hear, obviously there's going to be music and there's going to be dialogue and reaction that's not in my recreate because my recreate is just the gun sound itself. So um, you're going to hear the original first, then you hear my version. The, the steam, the poison looks, it sounds like steam to me. Um, so if you didn't do just like white noise or whatever, I would be inclined to say, 
uh, some sort of way you got that with cooking. Because I, I don't know, like I've made like steam buns and stuff where I've gotten like a nice little hissing sound. I'm not really sure about that one. Um, I feel like there's a few different ways you could approach that. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like a canister, even of whipped cream, possibly. <laughs> the other thing, the the reload has a, a slight kind of um, small metallic object sound to me. So I, I wonder if it was like some small piece of metal you found in your drawer and we're clinking it. And then just the way you placed it kind of made it work for the gun. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I would say, did you huh? use like some kind of CO two canister or something? You're 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 really close in a lot of different ways. Um, what Cole's seeing is like I sent him a chat where it lists everything out. So, the hissing, the poison was a Dr Pepper can, and, and of course oh, I had to drink oh it after God, I was yeah. done. <laughs> but um, I did two things. One, I just opened it, mm-hmm. and that me- you know, metallic sound was useful, but also just the of it coming out was great. And then also just pouring over ice and just seeing how I could manipulate that bubbling okay. over the carbonation was really useful. And then uh, for your listeners, I use this, I have a stapler in here. Um, it's not red. It's not like office space. It's a blue stapler. But I opened and closed it, and I actually just stapled a couple of things. And then my youngest son is fascinated with Nerf guns. So he has two different Nerf guns. I just brought them in and cocked them and fired them a whole bunch of times. And I have a baby gate right over here that was originally keeping the kids out of my office, but now it's keeping our puppy oh, out of my office. Yeah. So I unlocked it and, and locked it and set it. I have a, my, my kid has a Millennium Falcon. So I use that. And then, so there's an action when the, uh, the dart gun shoots and it swings that little, like a string forward and it shoots the dart. So I, I to get that, I had a plastic hanger that I just swung in front of my phone just multiple times to try and get the right type of swing. And I had resistance bands that were supposed to be for exercise, but they just sit in my garage. And I got those out and, like, you know, twanged them a whole okay. bunch of times to try and get the right type of twang. I did some mouth hissing. And then that metal sound you talked about, you're really close to that. Um, I dabble in guitar and I dabble in, like, oh. ukulele and mandolin. Okay. So I did some guitar latches. That's all that was, okay. was guitar latches. And then finally, some impact sounds was like fridge and oven and dishwasher opening and closing. And then, um, honestly, my webcam on my my desk, I just hit my hand down several times recording computer audio and just seeing what it would sound like going through the surface of everything and just hearing this big thud. And it actually worked pretty well. So... I did a whole bunch of layers for this. And honestly, it was my first time doing a sound recreate. I'd seen these videos all over and they're fun, but I'd never done one. So I told my students when I gave the assignment last year, hey, I'm going to do this with you. And we all did it together. And it was a lot of fun. So that's I hope that's okay. I I didn't know what to bring because I wanted to avoid. Oh, I just got this sound from a stock library or or I grabbed this from a library and produced it a little bit like I wanted to have something that showed actual foley that i'm doing myself so that's why i picked that one no that was great actually now hearing you say that i can now i can now hear that um especially the nerd gun that makes sense Um, yeah 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 the the dr pepper that's that's pretty good that's that's a good trick i like that and it was tasty too and it did in the (laughs) afternoon so i was like it was the perfect time yeah
I've been um, just kind of checking out your <clears throat> LinkedIn profile, and it's it's uh, like many people I know in the game industry, it doesn't necessarily seem like a straight line into what you're doing right this minute, uh, which is, Absolutely. I believe you're full-time at Unbroken, right? Yes, cool. yeah. So the first thing I saw in there was music teacher, uh, and then yeah. something about Funimation and uh, SciPlay and where you are now. So can you kind of give us just a little bit of a overview of like, how <clears throat> did you go from music teacher to game development? Yeah, no, I, I definitely can. Um, so yeah, I was a school teacher. I got my undergrad in K through 12 instrumental music and I'm certified to teach. Well, I was <laughs> not anymore. Um, but I could be recertified easily to teach a K through 12 instrumental. And I got my grad degree in saxophone performance with a strong emphasis in composition. So I started as a band director and I thought that's what I want to do with my life. I had a wonderful student teaching experience being a student teacher uh, in Oklahoma, teaching at um, Carl, Albert High, Carl Albert High School. And I loved it. So I thought this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is going to be great. And this is not to disparage teachers because I think teachers are super vital and important. And I love, I actually love teaching, but either that time in my life or that topic or that age group or all the three at the same time, it was not the right fit for me. And I knew about three weeks into my first teaching job, I don't want to do this forever. So it became this soul searching, like, well, I either need to get happy and figure out how to do this and like this be my life. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what you're talking about, that like introspective moment, you're coming to a crossroads. I either need to accept this and be happy and be functional, or I need to make a change and make it to something that hopefully will make me happy. And so <clears throat> I had always been a gamer since first grade. I've always been in music and my, my family and my mom's side, super duper musical. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I could combine both of these passions. I love playing video games. I love writing music. I would love to be a composer. Maybe I could do both. For me, it took being in the workforce for real and doing it every single day and saying, this will be your next 30 or 40 years of your life if you like it. You know, It took that to really be, okay, I'm going to try and make a change. I'm going to move over to this other thing. And I made a website. And, and I was, I was coming from zero. Like I didn't have a family member or a friend that, Hey, I'm over at Konami and Hey, you write some music. I'll give them your demo. Like there was no connections for me. It was just, I'm a fan and I want to do this. Um, so <clears throat> made a website, made a demo reel, very like rudimentary beginner demo reel and just started shopping it around. And I thought, you know what, if I just give a shot and try this, Maybe it'll work out. And if it doesn't, I tried. And that's really all I can ask for. And I got very lucky. And within the first year, I landed a few small projects. Now, this is 2005. So it's two years prior to working in um, like the iPhone, which was changed everything. Mm. And it really opened up a lot more fields, a lot more doors and, and pathways for people. So 2005 was like working in HTML projects, Flash-based projects. Um, I landed a very small scale Nintendo DS project with a local developer. That was fun. But, you know, it was just a whole lot of small projects. And I was like, I was so excited to be working and to be doing it. 
I wasn't making very much money, but it wasn't about the money at the point. It was about the opportunity. And so I was just grabbing it with everything I could. And I didn't have any kids. So I had a very understanding wife who was like, hey, yeah, spend your nights and spend your weekends working on this stuff. Because she could tell how happy it made me, how much happier. And um, you talked about signs earlier, like with Ninja Town being everywhere (laughs) in your life. Um, For me... You know, it's just kind of ironic that like a year to the day, October 25th, 2005 until October 25th, 2006, that was my first day working at Funimation. So it took one year of just working on the side and looking around, and then I was able to find opportunity and begin working in-house for Funimation. You have no chance against me. You can do this. I won't fail. Funimation was a huge, just bouncing off or launching off point for me that I didn't even fully recognize at the time. I am not a huge anime fan, but okay. I'm, I, I, I like some of it. Yeah. But <clears throat> for me, looking back, that was such a great way to start because I mean, I was six months into my career and I'm getting to write music for a Dragon Ball Z trailer or, or Yu-Gi-Oh or Full Metal Alchemist or um, all those case closed, big top tier animes that people recognize. And I was like, I was very happy to be there and excited, but looking back, I could not have picked a better way to start because I think that really helped me when I was going to Net Devil, when I was going to Sideplay, or eventually Unbroken, to have those kind of titles on my resume help me get bigger projects down the road. Whereas if I was working on, you know, Bob's video game or, you know, Susan's cooking simulator, like something that no one's heard of, that may not have the same weight or resonance. And so I count my lucky stars that. Funimation was a local to me. It was in town. And then B, I just happened to come along when they had an opening and I did an interview and a I did an audio test and I, I got the job. So um, I worked at Funimation for almost two years, then went to Net Devil, worked as a lead composer sound designer for Lego Universe, Jump Gate Evolution, and also um, Fortune Online. And then uh, after Net Devil, I did freelancing for five years, just full time. Okay. And then after that, um, side play. Or actually, I'm skipping a game studio. B Cave Games here in Austin. That's what brought me back to Texas. And all my family's here. And all my all my wife's family is here. And so we came back to Texas, worked at B Cave Games for about 11 months. Then the CEO came in and said, we're out of cash. <laughs> and so we all were out of jobs. Um and then Sideplay hired me. Same kind of thing, casino, virtual uh, gambling type of thing, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that in just a second. But um, I did that for, I worked at Sideplay for five and a half years, learned a tremendous amount, became their principal composer, sound designer. I uh, still have a lot of friends I talk to every day just about at that studio. And after five and a half years, I was really ready to work on something that I wanted to play. Because truth be told, I'm not a gambler myself. It's no judgment there. It's just if I have a five-minute break, I'm not going to pick up a slot game to play. I'm going to play, you know, Clash of Clans or 
um, Clash Royale. I'm going to play Rocket League. I'm going to play NBA 2K. I'm going to play something else, not no, not that. And so um, I was very lucky to start looking around, and I found Unbroken, and I had a friend of mine that I knew there. And so I was able to just kind of get connected and start talking, do the whole thing, audio test, all that stuff, and then land it. So, so that's the progress I went and it took 15, no, I'm sorry, 17 years, almost 18 years to get from school teacher to where I am now. You know, a little bit of advice or a little bit of encouragement to your listeners is the initial launching point took a year to get me full-time in-house. And I could have been very, very lucky. I think I was in that situation, but it's not impossible to go, okay, I'm going to make this change. And then a year later, you might be working in-house at a game studio. You, you never know. So, yeah, man. But yeah, that's kind of the Cliff Notes version of it. It's kind of mind-blowing to me. You know, I look at your website and I see, uh, I think the last time I checked, it was like 1,100 <laughs> projects. I mean, yeah. so even as you're working in these <clears throat> companies full-time, you're still doing freelance this whole time, right? Yes, and I've been very, very fortunate in that. Um, so, you know, every company I've worked for has allowed freelancing or moonlighting with a couple of the normal standard caveats of, hey, don't do it in company time and don't do it in company gear and don't compete <laughs> with what we're making, you know, all those kinds of things. And that's totally fair. And so, like, for example, with SciPlay, when I was working there, um, let me backtrack just a little bit. 2020 was a weird, weird year for a lot of people. And unfortunately, it was, it was really hard to see. A lot of people struggled with work to get work. 2020 for me was about the busiest I've ever been. And to the point where I was like, I bit off more than I could chew. Um, I was working side play full time. And then I was finishing up skateboard, which, by the way, if I move just a little bit, um, oh. I've got the skateboard deck right there on my, my shelf. Awesome. I was finishing up the soundtrack for Skatebird. And I also did a little bit of sound design for that game. And then uh, Great Wolf... Uh, Great Wolf Lodge reached out to me, and I knew a friend from my fun, uh, sorry from my Net Devil days, and he said, "Hey, um, I need a composer, sound designer," and he brought me on to do all of it for their Magi Quest Resort feature. Ah, it worked! You are a Magi, and if you healed me. Then maybe you can heal Valara too. Go to Gleaming Gardens and find Springbuck. Maybe she knows why the Shimmer Tree has gone dark. Good luck, Magi. And so originally, all this was supposed to like launch in the April May time of 2020. And I remember like looking at the schedule and looking at the task load and being like, "I'm gonna die. <laughs> like I'm gonna die. There's no other way." Fortunately, things the way everything like COVID kind of pushed back some of the manufacturing for the resort job, which pushed us back a little bit. Um, Skatebird had a couple of delays, too. So everything kind of just spaced out. And I was like, thank goodness, because <laughs> even with that, I was working uh, about six, you know, five to six nights until about 11 or midnight every night on freelancing. And then at least a couple hours on Saturday and Sunday just to just to make everything happen mm. and um and i got through it thank god but uh i've been very fortunate to answer your question to be able to freelance and i also am very glad that every studio i've worked for sees it as a 
I think some studios make a mistake saying you can't work for anything else but us because a lot of times these folks are trying to find something different that's going to stretch them and teach them and grow them. And then they're going to take that additional learning back to their day job. And it's going to make them better and more enriching for that position versus, no, you can only do this. Like if I was only doing slot dev, which is, you know, working in virtual casinos my entire time at SciPlay, then there's certain things that I wouldn't have been able to bring that company and say, I have some outside experience. I think we can do this or this or this, which help enrich the company when I was there. Yeah. And that's, that's another way how I got to that ridiculous number, which by the way, I, I wasn't counting it. It's one of those things where I, to, to count it, I just put all my credits into a spreadsheet. And then I did the math there and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that's a lot. And some of these are really small and some of these are really big. You know, it's not like every project's like a five-year sure. project. Right. I would be right. <laughs> 900 years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> so. So you've been working full-time and moonlighting and you have a family and you teach and you're very active on social media. You do things like interviews. Like, how do you manage it all? Like, what does a day in the life look like for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, lots and lots of illegal drugs. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, um, you know, one of the things that... Uh, I do take very seriously. I, I like to joke around a lot, but one of the things I take very seriously is the notion of, well, let me, let me say it this way. Starting the way I started, where I was a school teacher, and I mentioned earlier, my very gracious, you know, understanding wife allowed me to work nights and weekends. I started this job, you know, game audio, doing it on the side and having to squeeze in some hours of creativity wherever I could find time, right? And so... That's a skill all by itself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't remember or forget that or don't really give that the focus it needs. And so the reason why I've always kept freelancing all this time is, A, I really like it. It lets me do something totally different from my day job. Um, you know, the extra money is great. I always think about, you know, this could lead to something else. Who knows? Um, but then I also think about kind of like an athlete like okay i um i'm a major dallas mavericks fan luka Doncic, and you know that whole team i i like to watch them as much as i can and i i just love the dallas mavericks and luka in particular i mean he's a generational talent he's just one of those like one in a million type of players you watch him by the way he's kind of he kind of moves slow like some certain players move super fast in the court he's kind of a slow player but he moves in such a way and controls everything around him that they can't really get to him. And he just kind of clumsily and sometimes gets to the basket and scores. I mean, it's amazing to watch. But what I love about him is he plays during the summer, during the off season, And, of course, they have their whole training and all that stuff leading up to the NBA season. And then he plays during the NBA season. They finish that season. 
and then he goes back to um i forget where it's like slovenskia or something like that um so i'm probably butchering the name of it but he goes over to europe and plays in his hometown his home team again during their season and then goes back to the nba and plays he's playing all the time he's leveling up his game all the time and so that's the way i feel like about this i do talk to creatives i do talk to folks that um sometimes i teach or work with and they'll say i just don't feel creative today so i'm not going to work today that's a very foreign thought and mentality for me and that's not to say i'm 100 creative all the time i'm not i have days where i'm like Everything I'm doing sucks today, <laughs> you know, I have those, but um, I have the mantra of you have to get through the bad times in the studio where there's just the deserts, the dry spells. Nothing is working here. You push through that and you treat it like an eight hour day because then the next day you never know you might come in and just have a gym, just go bink, right there and you wouldn't get to it without the eight hours of previous work. And it has to be work. And I feel like some folks have this notion, for whatever reason, oh, I create when I'm inspired. And I can't remember who wrote it, but there's a famous quote from an author saying, um, I write when my muse is here, and my muse arrives every day at 9 o'clock in the morning when I shut the door and I begin work. I 100% buy that. You have to spend the time. And so my long, long story, sorry, is... Um, that's the way I feel about freelancing and, and doing my day job is it keeps me sharp. I have to keep learning new things. I have to keep pushing myself. When I was working with Magi, Magi Quest, Great Wolf Lodge, that was Unity. So I was learning Unity, and that helped level me up when I was working at SciPlay. And then working for Unbroken, I'm learning Unreal. And now I'm teaching and working in Unreal. So it's always leveling up. And so that's why I do all the freelancing that I do is because I just want to stay sharp and I enjoy the creativity. And when I come in here, it's not dusting off the cobwebs and trying to remember what is it like to be creative? I, I feel like, hey, I did this yesterday. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it the next day. I'm just going to stick to it. This is what I do. So that's why I do so much freelancing on top of it. That's, that's a really awesome answer. I, uh, oh, thank you. I actually, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm like, I have the time. I'm not going to get this time later. This is my creative time. Whether yes, I feel yeah. it or not, like I'm going to make something. And a lot of times I do end up throwing that, whatever it was away. But you know, sometimes I, yeah, it's like, I, I, I don't know if you ever do this though. I will sometimes though, if I'm having like a specific assignment and it's just not clicking, I'd be like, fine, I'm just going to make weird noise <laughs> just to see if anything <laughs> happens. You know, I'm just going to try to make the hor most horrible sound I can because something just kind of happens when you do stuff like that. But I love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, it reminds me a little bit of, yeah, making weird noises or sometimes just doing a polar opposite of what you mm. should be working yeah. on. You know, if you're working on death metal and you're just like, this is going nowhere, I'm going to write a lullaby. And you start the little lullaby and something about, I mentioned earlier humor, something about sometimes goofing around yeah. and not taking yourself and your craft so seriously. Like earlier, the answer about freelancing, I get kind of passionate about that and I get kind of serious. But I'm a very goofy person most of the time. And so <laughs> yeah, I have to kind of tell, tell myself, don't take this so seriously because 
that creativity, you know, you watch kids play and they're goofing around most of the time. They're drawing and they're making little noises and they're dancing while they draw. They're not meticulously like making everything trying to be perfect. And so I think sometimes just tell myself, relax, have fun, because that comes through in what you're creating. It makes a difference. So, yeah, I love that you saying just I'm going to make the weirdest sound I can. Yeah. Real quick, it reminds me of a um, just real quick. It reminds me of a story. Um, I went to um, the inside outside retreat. This is the saxophone retreat that is over at the Victor Wooten um, Center for Music and Nature, oh, okay. uh, just outside of Nashville. I went there in 2019, and um, Victor talked about this one thing. He was there the first night and then the last day of the camp in six days, and he said something really cool. He goes. This was for his bass camp. He was telling the story. The saxophonist saying, "I had this bass. This was like trying to just trying to impress everyone and play everything so awesome." And he finally goes, "All right, this next chorus." They had a whole band playing behind him, and everyone's taking turns doing a solo on bass. He's like, "Just show me the worst you can play. I want to hear the absolute worst you can play." And he goes, "The crazy thing was, everyone's personalities came out like." They were the solo, the solos objectively were worse, of course, just right. blah, 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 you know, but like the humor and the quirkiness and the personalities just blossomed. And it's like, now if you can somehow take that personality and bring it into what's going to work musically, but keep that personality there, that's going to capture people. And um, so I love you talking about, I'm just going to make the weirdest sound I can. Because <laughs> I, I bet, I bet you've done that and then you're like, you know what? That start off kind of goofy. That's pretty awesome. Like I bet you've had those experiences where it turns out being something you can actually use, and it's started as a germ of something completely ridiculous. That's that's so cool. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just one of the ways I kind of trick myself <laughs> into being a little more free. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I take it very seriously. I mean, this is what I want to do with my life and I have a family to support. And so like nobody yeah. is more serious about it than me. But at the same time, I get so locked up in my intensity sometimes that I do have to just kind of be like, hey, you know what? You're making video games, man. Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> enjoy it. You yeah. Know, enjoy yeah. it. Um, yeah. So I try to do that. So I did want to ask you about another thing. As someone who's currently on the grind for my first kind of like big break in the industry, I get told a lot, uh, you need to focus on either being a sound designer or a composer. And it's very important if you're applying for jobs, blah, blah, blah. But I, one of the reasons I look up to you is because you're very much both. I mean, you obviously are a very well-educated musician and you play saxophone and you love composing, but you also do the whole bit. Uh, I've seen a lot of your sound design work and it's really excellent. <clears throat> so, I mean, how, how did, and you even refer to yourself as a composer sound designer. So you obviously love doing both. So can you tell me a little bit about how that's played out in your career? And do you have any advice for people 
who are on the hunt now as far as like how yeah. they should handle that? Absolutely. It's a great question. So um, I do enjoy both. I do consider myself to be both. So um, a couple things. One is the first in-house, sorry, actually back further than that. The first freelancing job I got was sound design and music. I was in charge of everything audio related for that Nintendo DS project. Um, and in that project, I was very much just flying by the seat of my, plant, my pants. I didn't know how to do sound design. I was just... And my client was very... I don't, I don't want to say like he didn't care about the quality bar, but he was like, this is great. This is good. And I think he may have kicked back like a few of my sounds, but most of the time he was just like, yeah, that works. I hear it. Great. And so I was just like, okay. And I was very, you know, I was used to doing the music side. I was not used to doing the sound design part. And then when I got the Funimation job, that was another requirement. Hey, you got to do sound design and you have to do music. Um, at that job, I worked with Dwayne Deering, who is a sound designer, composer, an actor. Really awesome dude. We were a two-man team for the entire special features and trailer department in Funimation. I learned so much wow. from him. He he was just um, a goldmine of, of sound design. He knew a lot more about it than I did. And so, and not trying to sound braggadocious about this, but, and he would even say at the time, he was like, you're a better composer than I am. And he was a better sound designer than I am. So we kind of helped each other and, and taught each other different things. So I learned a tremendous amount from him on sound design approaches and, and tools and what to listen for, what to do. And so for me, it quickly became, I mean, just my first two jobs were like both one freelancing, one being in-house. You got to do both. And then when I got to NetDevil after Funimation, same thing. It was, we need you to write the music and we need you to do sound design. And it was a necessity of the job. I just had to learn it. Now, I've gotten better and better. And I appreciate your kind words, by the way. Thank you on the sound design. Um, sound design was definitely a afterthought. It wasn't something like, ooh, I want to do this. But the more I've learned about sound design and the more I've learned just in general about signal flow, the more I see there's a lot of carryover to producing a great sounding musical track and producing a cool sound effect. And also there's a lot of carryover in how you have your, your DAW session set up and how you're having all your flows go through the various chains for music and for sound design. When I, when I did Funimation and working with Dwayne, you know, he taught me a lot of this stuff because I would do things like I'd have a trailer and have sound, 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 sound. And I would have nothing in between. And so he started saying, you know, all of your sounds are fine for what you've done, but there's no anticipation. There's no lead up. There's no tail for certain things. And he started showing me treat sound design the same way you would a musical track where you're building up the tension, you're releasing it, and then you have an anticipation again. You have a turn, something change. You have a texture change. All those type of things that we do with our our you know, compositions and our productions, changing voices and on octaves, changing instrumentation, doing all that with sound design. And that really opened my eyes to where I didn't know how much I was growing. But then after I left Funimation, there was someone who came after me and they said, hey, will you review some of my trailers? And I listened to it. And for the first time in my career, that was maybe 
about four years in, I heard exactly what Dwayne was saying about my early sound design. I heard in his saying, well, I'm hearing islands of sound, but I'm not hearing anything leading up and down. Mm. And so the advice I would give to someone who is a musician, a composer who's trying to bring, you know, go into sound design is treat it like atonal music, atonal you're not having to worry about what key I'm in and what my progression is, but you are worrying about, am I giving you the same sonority over and over of ching, 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 ching? Well, that's really annoying. Please stop. You know, that type of thing. Am I building up a cadence, a progression of sounds like you with chords into this moment? Am I doing any space to allow the sound design to breathe like a composition would? If you start thinking about it the same way, it doesn't seem so foreign, and you start seeing all of the parallels between the two disciplines because they're very, very, very closely related, in my opinion. One last thing I'll say about sound design is even just, you know, like if you're writing an orchestral piece, you have the whole ensemble. Most of the time, unless you're making very defined choices, you're not going to have everything in the lowest register just blah, 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 playing super low. It's going to be super muddy. It's going to be cloudy. It's not going to be defined. And so unless you're going for that sound, it's going to be kind of weird. So a lot of times you want a low, a mid, and a high component to that ensemble. You want the same thing to your sound design. If all your sound design is super low, it's going to be money. It's going to lack definition. But if you have it spread across the spectrum, like a big, nice chord and a full ensemble, it's going to have that depth and that richness and detail that you're looking for. The other, the other thing was, besides it being a necessity, is I very quickly learned, huh, you know, if I'm only a composer, I get this many jobs. Mm-hmm. If I'm only a sound designer, I get that many jobs. If I do both, I get this many jobs, a little bit more. And so there's a logistical reason behind it, too. So, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. But, I mean, no, you know, no, the advice good. would be just... And, and, and to do what you and I did at the beginning of this, listening and deconstructing sounds and trying to recreate them, it's, it's a wonderful exercise. So, yeah, learn about signal flow. Treat it like it's a music piece, but not with like traditional notes. And then listen, 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 and try and recreate. That would be my advice. I, for me, that's actually why I fell in love with sound design. I, I am always going to be writing music, but I decided to actually like really pursue sound design because I found out it, it really is just like writing a little mini song. Um, especially yeah. when you're complimenting music, uh, you really are in the same way you would play in a band. You really want to like synergize and work together and stay out of the way when you need to and pop in when it's <clears> time. <throat> there's cues, there's a yeah. dance to it. And I actually really genuinely enjoy that um and i That's awesome. in the same way like like just one flick of the pickups could ruin your guitar tone like there's something about just picking the right choice <laughs> Uh, for the sound that's needed. So I, I, I do really enjoy that. And I'm glad to hear that you also think about it musically too. working in a home studio 
And correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, but even your work for Unbroken is that in your studio as well at home? Yeah, it's all right here. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Actually, right now I can hear my baby crying in the background. So the reason I'm asking <laughs> is because you have kids, you have a dog, you have activity in your house. Um, how are you able to make that work, uh, especially when you have deadlines? I'm sure there's times where recording is not as optimal for you. <laughs> so what, can you tell me a sure. little bit about how you manage that? Yeah. Well, I mean, first off, so this house is about mm, 1,900 square feet. And this was the formal dining room that we don't use as a dining room at all. Um, it had French doors over here, glass French doors that were nine foot. And then on this other wall, it had a doorway to the kitchen, like right by where like the laundry room is and the pantry and there's the fridge. And there's lots of hard floors. And so when we were looking at this house, considering to buy it, everything about the house was great. But I stood in this room and of course there's an empty house. It's always louder when there's nothing, you know, to absorb the frequencies and the reflections. And with those doors, I could hear everything and i'm like i don't know if this is going to work and this is a shout out to my father-in-law and to my dad because i am so not handy i mean i can swing a hammer i can saw and everything like that but like i don't have the know-how and so both my father-in-law and my dad came over multiple times especially my father-in-law and we insulated two of the walls with the highest insulation we could find and then uh, replace, reframed, so we have a full-body door instead of the French doors. Framed in another door completely, so we just have one door here. And then, of course, you can see some of the... I've got the... Um, oh, what brand is this? Oh, yeah. Um, GIK um, GIC or GIK Acoustics. I've got six of those panels around. I've got bass traps. And so, uh, with all that done, I can play my saxophone and be doing like upper range loud loud high playing and my kids bedrooms are not that far out from the door of my uh, office and my wife has been like yeah it's not waking them up and if i sit in there while they're sleeping and you're playing i can barely hear you and so that's been amazing so kudos and shout out to my father-in-law my dad and i was here to help out with as much as i could and um so that's one way we, we handle it. The other thing is this wall right behind where you are um, is the laundry room. And so my wife is super gracious and like, hey, are you about to record something? Because like if the washing machine is going, I can hear like a thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Now, fortunately, I don't have to record all that often. But, you know, if I do, she just coordinates with me. I say, I'm going to be doing this right now. And and we make it work. So um Otherwise, you know, my uh, my oldest son has special needs. He's a 10-year-old. Mentally, he's more like a 5-year-old. So we do have to work with him because if, if my door is shut, my youngest understands I'm not going to mess with dad. He's busy. My oldest, though, open the door and be like, hey. And like he, he thinks everything's a party. And especially if I'm on a Zoom call, he'll be like, hey. And he starts waving and everything. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm in a meeting right now. I'm a... And everyone's laughing, and he just doesn't want to stop. So we do have to coordinate him a little bit. But otherwise, we, we make it work. And I've been able to record saxophone in here. Most recently, um, you may or may not have seen – I oh, no, you did because you commented on it. Um, I got to do saxophone work for 
um, Jonathan on the remake of Seventh Guest, the VR version of that. But old man Stauff is waiting there. Crazy, sick, and mean. That was super fun. And by the way, I didn't even tell Jonathan this, but um, and I'd love to tell something about Jonathan here in just a second. Um, I'm not going to try to attempt his last name, John Vintergarden. I might be butchering that. It's yeah. Um, apologies, Jonathan, if you're listening to this. <laughs> but I'll tell you a cool story about Jonathan in just a second. But real fast, uh, for those that haven't heard the music for Seventh Guest, um, all my saxophone playing, he said the direction I want you to go is very subtone, very like. You think Twin Peaks, Angelino Balamente. If you think of um, a couple other styles, just very subdued, not like loud, brash, full, bluesy saxophone. And that was my first time recording my horn since getting our, our new puppy. And I was like, I don't know how she's going to react to this because she's a barker, man. And she didn't even notice. Like I was in here and I had everything closed and I'm playing very subtone. And my wife goes, yeah, she... I think she looked up and was like, whatever, <laughs> and went back to sleep. So she fortunately, <laughs> she did not bark. Uh, real quick, a story about Jonathan that's really awesome is he and I met, I don't know how many years ago, on social media, Facebook or whatever, one of those groups. And we've been friends for a long time, at least 10 years, because I remember he posted some funny comments about when, um, for example, I had this huge overhaul of the flower bed. And he, he was like, I can tell you're a new dad because now you've got all these new dad chores to do. I'm like, you're right. Um, and now my son is 10. And so we've been friends for a decade. And uh, so just another thing, another little like gem for your, for your listeners to consider is so many people are concerned about, I'm going to find my next job. I want to find my next connection. It may be 10 years before that connection makes a job happen, if not longer. And the goal really shouldn't be trying to get a job out of your friends. You should just, you know, make friends. And Jonathan and I always kind of just had the same sense of humor and would talk and kind of connect with each other. And it was never a, uh, hey, what can you do for me? What can you give me? What, what kind of, how can I work with you? We just genuinely kind of just clicked and enjoyed each other's company virtually, you know, through Facebook and emails and whatever. And so um, this last, uh, Let's see, I guess it would be summer. He said, hey, I've got a project. I'd love to have you do some saxophone work for me. I was like, sure, it'll be fun to work with you. And he didn't say what it was at first. And um, the music, from what I've heard, I mean, there's hints of George Singer's original score. And if you listen to and, and some of the stuff you've heard in trailers, it's not like, oh, this is a direct cover, but there's little montages. So the first thing I heard and worked on I was like, oh, this is kind of spooky and kind of cool. I wonder the, what this is for, but I didn't know. And then he sent me the second cue, and I recognized, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I was so excited. So it was neat to get to work on that with him. Um, and I know George, too, and he's uh, always been super sweet and supportive. So it's neat to be able to add something to that universe because I played it as a kid, and I loved it. You know, the seventh guest in the 11th hour so my background is actually in ministry so uh, i mean that's mm -hmm. like, really important to me that uh people aren't objects and they're not yeah um you know are some total uh 
worth has nothing to do with our our output, you know, at least at least outside of a business context. And so it's important yeah. to me to connect with people as people. Um, and of course, I always love and appreciate when that can turn into opportunities. But um, yeah, it's about people. So I, I yeah, love to hear you say that. You're right. It's pretty cool. told a friend that you're going to come on and that you had worked at Funimation. And okay. so he was like, listen, you got to ask him, does he know <laughs> how they created the iconic Super Saiyan sound? I imagine you know, you that's working with some libraries, but I, do you know how any of those sounds were made? I don't know because so here's, here's how it works with Funimation. Well, until very, very recently, I was also doing some freelance work. When you get a new show that's going to be rebranded for the U.S. market, which is what Funimation does, then there are certain elements that are created by the original studio that carry over, like the sound design, and in a lot of cases, the music, but in some cases, not. Um, and then we'll redub, uh, obviously, the actors as we need to. Um, I mentioned the music. Sometimes that gets redone. Like I had several situations where a DVD would become uh, a Funimation property. And then for whatever licensing reason or for whatever logistical reason, we don't have the music for the special features and the menus on the DVD. So I would do that. Um, so on the sound design side, most of the time from the episode, well, all the time for the episodes, the sound design was, was there and provided. So I don't know how they did that because that was just a, you know, a sound file that we already had that we worked with. Now, what we would do at Funimation is um, for a trailer, sometimes I would add sweeteners and additional sound design or the logo treatment may not have any sound at all. I do all the sound design for that. There's plenty of times I wrote music and sometimes I would do a cover, do a emulate or quote the melody of the IP. And sometimes I didn't, I just wrote something that felt appropriate for the trailer that kind of thing so no i unfortunately do not know um how they make that sound i wish i could tell you the the juicy gossip but i don't know <laughs> come on man pull some strings call, call some people at funimation we got to figure this out how did they <laughs> uh i'll, I'll get in the phone right now <laughs> yeah yeah call up, call up your old boss right now <laughs> this is urgent i can i can just tell you had a lot of fun with uh skatebird and um, I was reading about the soundtrack, but it um, seems like you had a lot of fun in the creation of it as well. You used some different kind of like samples and made your own loops and things like that. So can you tell me just a little bit about how you created that? Sure. Yeah. No, Skipper was a blast. So um, Megan Fox, not the actress, but <laughs> I was like, the programmer what? that I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we met in Transformers. No, um, <laughs> Megan Fox, when, not the actress. When, uh, when uh, you made Shia LaBeouf quit so you could take his place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm a stunt double. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, you can't see it? I can see um, it, yeah. No. <laughs> so um, 
Meg and I met and worked together at NetDevil. She was a, as I remember, if, I think I'm saying this right. I think she was just an art, not just, but I think she was an art programmer, basically. Um, kind of her forte. Very, very smart. Super awesome. And I, you know, you ever have friends, just a quick little, like, tangent. Um, I've got friends where, like, for whatever reason, I can't remember how we met but we've just been friends. So in my brain, it becomes like, I've known you forever. <laughs> that uh, and that's kind of like Megan. Like, I don't remember how we started talking, became friends, but we did. And so I alluded to earlier in the interview, NetDevil crashed and burned and closed. And we all kind of went our different ways. And she started a studio, Glass Bottom Games. And since we were friends, she was like, hey, I need some music. Hey, I need some sounds. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And my thing was and this could be like a technique for someone to consider who wants to you know try and get into games is i remember telling megan at the beginning um i didn't charge very much at all and i was like i'm way more concerned with creating a relationship creating a partnership um making this work than making a quick buck i don't care about the money right now i want to i believe in what you're doing i believe in what i'm doing i want to partner up we're good friends let's make this work and so that's what we did and um and so skateboard uh one thing i love about working with megan is she always kind of pushes me in directions i never expect to go as a as an artist um the game right before we did punk rock mixed with chiptune <laughs> the game before that hot tin roof so that was spartan fist the game before that was hot tin roof and we did chiptune mixed with jazz which Trying to make chiptune bass swing, even though it has that don't, don't, like that really hard attack, is very challenging. But um, she always kind of pushes me into like directions where I'm like, this is really hard and unusual, but the end result becomes something cool and fun, and I learn something along the way. Well, she did the same thing with Scaper. She's like, I want kind of like a DJ remix. I want samples. I want voiceovers. I want, you know, jazz and and hip hop and, and rap and everything kind of just fused together. And so um, I went into this with a change of flow, basically. So instead of starting with a blank page and being like, okay, I get to make all the choices. I'm going to write all the harmonies. I'm going to make all the rhythms. I'm going to make all the melodies. Like you alluded to, I'm going to use loops. Some of them are some I'm just licensing. Some are things I'm making. I'm going to make this all work. I'm going to create my own parts on top of that and just see what I can do. And it was such a fun thing. It took me about three months to figure out the right sound. Mm. I would send her little like 20, 30 second clips and she'd be like, no, this is a little bit too this, a little bit too much of that. And every time just kind of like hone in on that target. And if you listen to the track Bird Moms, that was the first one that she was like, yes. I remember I got the email back from her in all caps. Yes, you found it. This is it. And uh, it was kind of the right mixture of lo-fi, untuned things with tuned things, and um, just started playing around with it. So it was a lot of fun. But what I would do with each track is once I got birds, Bird Moms done, then it became something where, okay, I kind of have the recipe, but I need to make a whole lot more tracks about this. Let me see. And I just started grabbing any kind of software I had some funds, thankfully. So, um, for example, I got Regroover at the time. Regroover is something where if you have a, like a single track drum loop, 
and then it can split by bands and you have like the hi-hat pattern you have the snare you can have the toms you can have the kick and maybe the cymbals depending on how much what's going on in the information and you can go and you can change certain things isolate only certain spots of it even create almost like a midi trigger of things mm. i use that a lot and then i also started using um Actually, I used a whole bunch of Logic Sampler. So I would bring loops in and then make little splices of things. And sometimes I would pick things that weren't even like right after, not the transient, not like the snare hit, but right after it, this mm-hmm. kind of like cool echo. Mm-hmm. And I would put some filters on it, some delays and reverbs, and I would play it in a certain way. And it became this like dancing texture. I did that a whole bunch. And then, um, then it was all about just writing and trying to, like you said earlier, making a weird sound and getting a way out of getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of that, like, because <laughs> as I wrote songs, you know, I, I would have like, I remember one time I had like five or ten about there, five to ten songs that so I was like, I feel really good about these. And I started to get worried: is the well dry? What else can I bring out of this? I have this many more tracks to write. And sometimes I would just sit there and be like, mm, I'm not sure to do. And I'd almost like forget about it and just like start jamming out to something as I just have a loop going. And then the song would come out of that jam, you know, almost just not thinking about it and just having fun and just creating. And then um, I'm going to give a shout out to my wife really quick, Sarah. There's one song, um, Dania does the science, the science. And I was like, I don't know where to go with this. I was so struggling. This is late. I mean, this is a song. The first soundtrack had 34 sounds. Uh, sorry, 34 songs on it. I'm. I think wow. Dania does the science was like song number. I don't know, like 28, 29. As far as like the number created, not necessarily on the track on the on the track listing. I was late in the process and I was tired. I was like, I don't know where to go with this. And she was like, Danny, as a scientist, and I had a little bio for each little bird, each little character in the game. I was like, yeah, she's a scientist. And my wife goes, what if, like, you just sampled printers that then all of a sudden became, like, your drums? It's not like normal drums. It's like printers doing weird things. I'm like, let's try it. (laughs) And so I grabbed a bunch of printer samples and, like, changed them, edited them, and put them in, and... I had the song written, I kid you not, about an hour later. I was like, it's done. That was the spark I needed. Just go off in this weird direction using printers, just straight up printers <laughs> in That's a track. Awesome. As far as how to make Skateboard, it was a whole bunch of experimentation. I knew going in, I couldn't use my traditional method of, you know, I'm going to write all the harmonies, write all the melodies. I And I also knew that I would have to figure out ways to take disparate loops and samples from all different creators and my own i hired two of my musician friends john robert matt and trumpet fantastic composer amazing trumpet player and my former boss adam gill on electric bass for two of the tracks um wonderful bassist and i had them play and then everything else i just i just spent the time to try and make it and and there are two barometers real quick that i can tell you one is if um if I was bobbing enough in my chair, I was like, okay, I- I'm getting somewhere. And then I would show it to my wife, who we always joke around as my, she's my not-so-silent silent partner <laughs> of my of my business. <laughs> and if she was bobbing her head, okay, I've reached the first threshold. 
And then my youngest son, if I played it for him and he was bobbing his head, I'd be like, okay, now I'm going to send this over to Megan and we're going to see what she says. And uh, most of the time we'd be like, yeah, this is great. You know, we should have small critiques, but really I kind of just passed it through my, my wife, my youngest son, and then Megan. And, uh, it worked out, so that's so much fun. The kid test works, man. I'm I'm it does. a game right now. One of my kind of like guiding words is uh, wonder, and so I okay. I try to play a lot of the music for my kids, and um, yeah, it's just fun to watch them and see if this kind of creates that feeling in them. But that's so cool, man. The printers thing, that's great. I I see. I love. <laughs> The, see, that's a great example of the fusion of just sound design and music working together. Particularly hip-hop is really cool for that kind of stuff. One of my... I don't know if you ever listened to uh, Introducing by DJ Shadow, but the entire it was like one of the very first albums ever entirely composed of samples. It is insanely good, and it's just it's like taking you to a dream world, but it's all just these different, sometimes dissonant, sometimes perfectly melodic but it just it takes you somewhere so i really enjoy and i don't think you get a lot of that in gaming music much maybe a little more so these days so it's very cool to hear that you had a lot of fun doing that i i really like that nathan thank you so er, okay. nate <laughs> nate thank you so much for either way coming on the show man um i really appreciate it i actually have a lot me. more to ask you so maybe i'll have to have you come on again but uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'd love to. Busy, so <laughs> I thank you for taking the time to come on my podcast. It's uh, I don't mean to scare you, but uh, we do have dozens of listeners. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, thank you, Cole. I mean, I really appreciate it. I, I was very flattered that you asked me, and I would love to do it again. So cool. Um, well, okay. Let's well, schedule a follow up, a part two. I won't try to cram everything into this one. Then I'd definitely love to do a part two. Hey, thank you so much again for listening. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did too. If you like what you were hearing, definitely check out more of Nate's work. I'll have the links in the description, but you can go to his site, madsonstudios.com, where you can find all sorts of really cool stuff that he's worked on. And do not sleep on that free sound library from Zach that we found earlier. Again, links will be in the description definitely download that. I am already looking for ways that I can try to incorporate that into my sound design. And the last thing I want to uh, bring up before I send you on your merry way down the wide, wonderful paths of life is uh, I myself am also open to work and uh, I'm open to work right now. I'm ready to start today. So if you need a sound designer and an experienced composer, for your indie project or heck if you want to hire me to work at your AAA studio i am down let's talk let's let's talk about it um but with all of that being said thank you so much for listening i genuinely appreciate it this is all just a labor of love because i love sound design i do have just one quick little favor if you wouldn't mind just just dragging that little finger over to the like button or the subscribe button or the look you know what to do like subscribe share tell with your friends send it to your mom and if your mom's like i don't like game audio you say shut up mom and just try it out you're gonna like it it's really fun all right just joking have an excellent week everybody it was fun hanging out and i'll see you next time on audio xp